verses 1 to 6. It says this, In you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have learned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. And the New Testament scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord Jesus answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it, to get, lead it away to give it water? And, uh, and ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. May we always be grateful for the hearing, the reading, and understanding of these words. Let's pray. We give you thanks for uh, the Scripture this morning. And as always, Lord, if there's something that spoke to our hearts as it was being read, help us to trust that that is your Spirit, and help us to go and maybe look back at that scripture today and jot that down and, and just pray and read it again and wonder what it is that you might be speaking to us as, as we read those scriptures. What might you be calling us to do? And God, in these coming moments, I pray that you would speak through me and speak in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have unwritten rules? There's just certain things that you don't do or certain things that you do. This afternoon, I'm going to be, our family is going to go down to um, Rehoboth and do a little school shopping for our kids, a little outlet shopping, a little for clothes and things like that. And we might gander on down to the Rehoboth Avenue while we're there if the weather's nice and walk around the boardwalk and that are just amazing as you walk and, and the temptations and things. Well, one of our children, one of my sons, loves um, French fries in particular. And not just any French fries, 
but you know the kind that um, are on the corner there, thrashers. Have you ever had thrashers french fries, anybody? Okay, so there's something, oh, lots of rumble there, okay. So there's, there's certain things that, that you learn as locals uh, when it comes to thrashers fries, and perhaps where you notice where there's tourists. And what is something that a tourist may ask the person behind the counter at Thrasher's? Where's the ketchup? And what do the, um, what does a local do when they hear someone ask for ketchup? I'm sure it's a different response, um, but, but it's kind of like, you're crazy. And a lot of um, French fries, of course, ketchup is complimentary. It's, it's, that's what you do with French fries. But for whatever reason, we have been ingrained um, as locals that this is just not something that you do on Thrasher's French fries. It's either salt and eat them plain, or you add vinegar to the Thrasher's French fries. And, and that's just something that they don't even offer. There's no ketchup on the counters. At least to my knowledge, I've never seen it. And I don't know if they have packets, but I don't think they do. But people may go other places and, and get it. But it's just one of those unwritten rules uh, that you just don't do it. It's just with that particular French fry, you just don't go there. You just don't put ketchup on these particular fries. But, you know, in this scripture today, Jesus is doing something that a synagogue leader is thinking, this is bad. Jesus is breaking the law that we were given from God. You know, within the Jewish community, the synagogue and the Sabbath are extremely important. I mean, you just don't go against those things. The, the, the synagogue is, is sacred. The, the Sabbath is something that you follow and, and honor God through. And this scripture today involves both the synagogue and the Sabbath. The temple was um, the centerpiece of worship in Jerusalem. The synagogue were, um, these were places that were all throughout the land. And they were places for um, the Jewish community to come and to worship. Um, they were places of education. Um, they were places um, even of kind of communal activities. So the synagogue was used for all sorts of things. And the synagogue leader, as we see in the story, this was a person who kind of maintained the local synagogue. They, they would maintain and organize the worship services. So the Sabbath um, also is important, as I've said, and the Sabbath is, is just one of those um, laws that you didn't mess with. The Sabbath was mentioned in the Ten Commandments. If you remember the story of the Israelites being rescued from slavery from Egypt and heading towards the land of which God promised them, and on that journey they received the Ten Commandments. Uh, their leader Moses received the Ten Commandments from God, and, and, and these were rules that they uh, needed to follow in order to obey God and to be, to be separate and set apart from from everyone else to honor God and living in these particular ways. And one of the Ten Commandments, as we see in the book of Exodus, which has to do with uh, the Israelites exiting from slavery in Egypt, they're, they're literally uh, exiting, they're leaving, and heading towards this land God promised them. In Exodus 28 through 11, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock 
or the alien resident in your towns. For in, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. So it's important. They're thinking of this as Jesus is healing this woman. It's like, what, what are you doing? How, how can you be doing this? You, you clearly know what the Ten Commandments say, and this is a Sabbath law that cannot be broken. This day of rest is important, and to focus on God in the midst of that rest is also important. So it violates the Ten Commandments. And the synagogue leader is furious. He, he's mad that Jesus would choose this day in particular to heal someone. And he wonders, you know, who does this guest preacher think he is walking in this synagogue and then stopping and healing some woman that's been crippled and disabled for 18 years? He couldn't just wait until tomorrow. He's got to do this now. When I was uh, coming out of high school, I worked at the Cracker Barrel at Rehoboth, Rehoboth Beach for a couple years. And I remember each night we had, uh, depending on how busy it was before we got to go home, we had to roll silverware. We had to get a fork, knife, and a spoon and roll it up in a napkin and then put one of those little stickers on it. And we had to do either 75 or 100 of those before we left. So as the restaurant kind of got slow and we would kind of go off to a closed section of the restaurant and get working on it ahead of time. And I always remember the look of some of the other uh, waiters and waitresses um, as we were about to close, let's say close at 11, and like 10.55, 10.57, um, somebody would come in and, and want to eat because it wasn't technically closed yet. And if you've been in, in that kind of line of work, um, you kind of roll your eyes. You're kind of like, oh my gosh, like we're just about to go home and here comes somebody in right before the restaurant closes, and we got to do this because we're not technically closed yet, even though they're going to be here well after we close. So all this, and, and people would get so frustrated, and they would begin to think. They would say, you know, out of all the hours in the day, why do you have to come at this hour? Well, why do you have to do this here? It's like one of those, uh, one, uh, another unwritten rule, like, just don't do that, please. Like, I could just see the frustration in, in so many of my coworkers at the time because they chose that hour and that minute when they could have possibly just not come or chosen a different hour to begin with. And the synagogue leader is responding in a similar way, is he not? He's saying, look, why do you have to pick this time? Why do you have to do this now? There's six other days in the week why do you have to choose to do this in this moment? New Testament scholar Craig Keener reminds us that biblical Sabbath laws are not going to restrict God's activity. And that's what I want to share with us today because there's many things we can glean from this Scripture, and there's many ways that we can go into it from different angles. But, but this is one aspect, one truth I feel that we can, that we can learn through this story is that God's activity is greater than Sabbath law. What God is going to do is greater than any law that we may see. And in this particular story, it's greater than the Sabbath law. Let's take a minute to try to identify with this woman. Many of us may not even be able to imagine, although some of us can, what it would be like to be disabled for 18 years to be someone who, as some translations put it, that this woman was literally 
bent together and not able to stand up in her fullness. She was bent down, not being able to stand up straight. How much must have this affected her life? How much of this affected her family, her relationships, what she was able to do uh, work-wise? I mean, many of us don't realize um, what that must have felt like. We can just read this story at a glance and say, oh, great, Jesus healed somebody, but, but go deeper. What, what must have she been going through day after day after day after day? And what must it have felt like to see that Jesus knew that it was important enough to heal her in that moment and not just wait another day? I wonder what her faith was like after 18 years of that. I think about things like that, not just, as I said, a random woman who was healed, but a woman who had a name, a woman who had a story, and someone that mattered to Jesus, and Jesus heals her. And just imagine her joy. Imagine the sense that she felt when she could stand up straight and was healed. And, and no wonder she stood straight up and began to praise God. But then you see immediately the, the synagogue leader in this joyous moment, the synagogue leader is kind of like Debbie Downer. He, he becomes someone who begets, becomes very angry. And who's to say that, you know, uh, if he thought this is the way we honor God is not by doing anything on the Sabbath, then, then let's get angry at this. But then Jesus um, begins to say, you know, the way you're acting right now is very hypocritical. And he begins to share, do you not do this on the Sabbath day? Do you not do that on the Sabbath day? Do we, do we still today not go to the grocery store or out to eat after church? because those people have to work in order to serve us. Jesus is saying this can, be, this can be very hypocritical, and it kind of goes back to the idea of, you know, we see the specks in other people's eyes and forget about the big old log in ours sometimes. And Jesus is saying, look at what just happened. Embra Jesus embraced this interruption. He didn't treat it as an interruption in the middle of what he was doing in the synagogue. He embraced it. He noticed her, and he healed her in the midst of it. The mindset of the synagogue leader was just wait one more day. But Jesus reminded them, no, the time is right now. And there's a reminder in that as those of us who are feeling led to follow the teachings of Jesus and be disciples of Jesus Christ and are choosing to do that daily in our lives Jesus is reminding us that there is never a wrong time to show God's love and to pay attention to what's going on. Most of being a disciple is showing up and paying attention wherever it is you go. Who are the people that are in need? Who are the lonely people? Um, and for, for those of you who are about to go into school and maybe in middle school or high school or even college, I'll share with you one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't pay attention to lonely people when I was in school and how I wished I could go back to high school and grab a, a tray of food and go sit next to somebody who was bullied. But I was too busy being cool and trying to be in cliques and being that guy, you know. But 
you have that opportunity now. That opportunity is gone for me. I can't go back to high school. I would be escorted out of the building pretty quickly. But you still have that opportunity. There's so many ways that you could show God's love and grace and remind people that they're not alone. So think about that as you begin school. And even teachers and staff, there may be new, new staff and teachers in your school that are nervous and they're young and, you know, they might be young enough to be your own kids or your grandkids and um, step alongside of them and remind them that they're loved and that it's going to be okay and you're going to walk with them. And that kind of stuff matters. And Jesus is reminding us in this story that it's, it's never a wrong time to show that love and to pay attention to people. It was a moment of healing. It was an intersection of heaven and earth that took place in the synagogue that day. And sometimes, sometimes we need to be careful about areas in life that we live out our faith and areas that we choose not to because sometimes we can compartmentalize our faith. For example, what I mean by that is I'll live my faith on Sunday and on the weeknights and some a little bit on Saturday, but, but not at work. I just can't. I'm not saying you got to stand up on a desk and like open the Bible or something. That's, that's a little weird to some people. And that's a little off-putting for some people. I'm not talking about that, but living your faith as being someone of love and compassion and generosity and just being that person that just shows love and forgiveness and compassion. But for some of us, it's hard sometimes because we may say, you know, I, I just can't do that at certain hours of the day. I have to be stern. I have to, I have to be that person. And faith isn't meant to be compartmentalized. It's meant to be lived in all aspects of our life, even in the synagogue on the Sabbath. It's meant to be lived out. And perhaps this woman relates to us today. Perhaps maybe you can identify with this woman. Maybe there's a physical pain that you've dealt with for years in your own life. Or maybe it's an emotional pain. And maybe we feel like we've been bent over for so long like this woman. But inwardly, um, we may not feel like that physically, but inwardly we may feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm disabled. I'm crippled inside. I feel like this woman in many ways. Maybe something's weighing you down and that it's affecting you in every way that you live, each and every day. What is that spirit, so to speak, that is crippling you today? Is it a spirit of bitterness? Is it a spirit of um, an unforgiving heart? Is it a spirit of worry? Because we can say, don't worry, be happy. But we know worry, as, as they've said before, as I've heard, you know, worrying's like a rocking horse. It's a, it'll keep you busy, but it's not going to get you anywhere. Um, and sometimes we worry. And that spirit of worrying and worrying and worrying can cripple us. Or maybe it's a spirit of hatred towards someone or a spirit of pride that is not a good kind of pride, but more of an arrogant, uh, hubris type of pride. Maybe it's a spirit of anger. We're angry. And maybe you deserve to be angry. 
because you didn't deserve whatever that was. And that's a legitimate feeling. But how are we allowing ourselves to not be crippled by that? Maybe it's a spirit of envy or a spirit of gossip. You know, like the woman was disabled and unable to sit up straight. Sometimes when we hold on to things like that, those types of spirits, we, we allow it to cripple us as well. And as Jesus sees the woman in the synagogue on that day, Jesus sees you sitting in this sanctuary on this day and knows what you're crippled with and knows what bogs you down. And Jesus placed his hand on her and gave her a loving touch to heal her. Are you seeking that loving touch today? Are you seeking healing today? Will you seek after the one who can give you that peace, that compassion, and that love? Will you turn to Jesus on this day? Because you are loved. And I cannot say enough that you are created in the image of God. And that is a beautiful image. That's a good image. So may we all seek to be freed from those things that cripple us. And may we be people who reflect that good image that's within us back into the world. Let us pray.